Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality, for ultimate meaning and destiny in your lives. You come to the right place. Ho, everyone that is thirsty, the Word of God says, Come ye to the waters, buy without money and without price. Why do you spend all your labor and your energy for that which does not satisfy? Well, for those of you that are new, I want to introduce you to my website at ultimatemeaning.com. There you will find a flip book with very original writing by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me to you. There are many links there that are highlighted in red print that go to very profound and amazing YouTube videos that highly confirm from many fields of science the reality of what I am sharing here about the very meaning for which you exist and all things exist, the very source of creation, of life, of reality, which is an ultimate manifestation and perfection of love that is the very source of love. And so many of these videos that you will see there expose with very strong irrefutable evidence all the lies. So many people have been taught in the public educational systems and so on about such things as the theory of evolution. You can check out some of the videos I have there on that. So I'm here to share, first of all, with those that are new about this ultimate perfection and manifestation of love that is the very source of reality. I love to say the same thing in my introduction. Those that are used to my videos, you can probably move your slider ahead by anywhere from 10 to 16 minutes where I actually start my message. But I want to introduce people to this love. This love is so pure. It is the highest form of love. It is beyond the filial love, which is the word in Greek for love with feeling, and then the eros love, the sexual love. This is a love that always freely chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice. Because any lesser choice as such would have a measure of corruption in it. This love is so pure in its integrity that as it were, it is a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to this love that always chooses the highest lasting good. It is represented in the negative symbol in math, which represents an indestructible foundation, which represents also cutting off of all corruption. Of course, there's the positive symbol that's formed out of the negative symbol by the crossing out of the negative symbol, and that is the other aspect of this love. It is so great, this love, in its perfection, or ultimate in its perfection, that it was always within the being of God. To be able to take out of such great love for his creation judgment upon himself for us is a perfect 
substitutionary atoning sacrifice. Yes, the Creator came into this world in Jesus Christ, and He humbled Himself more than you, a mere creature, and He suffered more than you, a mere creature, on the cross. No, it's not a fairy tale. It's real. In fact, there's four lawyers that set out to disprove the resurrection of Christ, set out to write books to disprove it, and in the process were converted just in the last, I think, 100 years. What I'm sharing with you is real. It is the very reason for which all things are. Yes, this love was always in the being of God beyond the time and space realm in the infinite past. Only this love could be ultimately trustworthy to contain unlimited authority and life and power without being corrupted by it or using it in a corrupt way, thus indicative of being the very source, the one true eternal God, the very source of reality and of all life and of all that is good. Of course he created us with our own free will so that we are not like robots. We are the source of our own action. We are self-responsible. Oh, I know in these this day and age, there's all these people in their pride and conceit that are talking about AI technology, like it's developing its own consciousness and becoming like a human being. That's a far cry from that, and the scientific evidence shows that's not even possible. And I can show you in the book I've written, Afterlife, Incredible, Irrefutable, top scientists talking about how that's not possible for a mechanistic thing like AI, which is just knowledge input into it. In fact, they're bothered because the AI stuff is giving outputs that are lying to them and fooling them because, of course, they're corrupt and what they put into it are lies, like the theory of evolution. Total lie, total pseudoscience. All you have to do is go on my website to the homepage at ultimatemeaning.com where there's a link to the Genesis Science Network, which has 24-7 documentaries interviewing highly qualified top scientists from around the world showing all the lies, the things they don't tell you about, for example, in the layers, at the very earliest layers, there are highly complex animals there as well that have vertebrae that they don't tell you about. There's animals in every layer that are there today that haven't changed. Oh, they don't want to tell you about that, do they? That they invented these ages before they ever had rudium, strodium, and all these other things to, for, for time, measuring time, which are based on way, way more presumption than 105 young Earth indicators that indicates the Earth is only around 6,000 years old, between 6,000 and 10,000. And those young in Earth indicators have way less presumption in it. And in fact, there is recently amazing major discovery in learning all about genes and how to measure time with genes. And they find out that the first man only goes back 6,000 years. So take that, you people that want to believe a lie that God didn't create man. Because that's irrefutable evidence that man has only existed for 6,000 years. And there's 105 other young earth indicators. So what I am sharing here about is reality. It's not some fable. I'm not interested in believing in some religion. I'm interested in believing what's real, 
what has ultimate meaning and purpose. And God created us with ultimate meaning and purpose. I've written a book which you can get on Amazon and I have a link on my own website at ultimatemeaning.com or loverealize.com where these messages go up that has all the information on that book that I've written, Afterlife Incredible Irrefutable, where I go into great depth and understanding on all the irrefutable evidence there is in the afterlife, which is far more real than this physical dimension. This is just the third dimension. Particle physics has discovered that there's 10 or more dimensions. Every dimension, like the fourth, is way superior to the third, which we're in, and so on and so forth. Many, many of the people that have died and have been highly confirmed dead by medical equipment, some for two hours, even more, highly confirmed dead by medical equipment and doctors, repeatedly say over and over again what the doctors were talking about, what they were doing, what clothes they were wearing, etc., etc., and what was happening in the other room where their relatives were talking, which they could have never known. And this repeats itself over and over. It's one of the strongest evidences, empirical evidence of life after death. And what do these people say? They say that this realm is so unreal compared to the other. It's like a vague dream compared to the reality of this other realm. One compared it to our 3D existence being like 2D in comparison to 3D that we're in. Now, what is 2D? It's just writing on paper, images on paper. That's how unreal this realm is compared to this ultimate reality. Now, in my book, I did discover that people that were close... I did this through a website at... Uh, it's called Near Death Experience Foundation.org, I believe, N E N Near D. You can, it's abbreviated, and then you go.org. That, there I did a study because they record all kinds of records, thousands of records of people that have died and what they've experienced. I found out that the people that are close to the truth, that just think they can just live their life and they're not hungry for truth or reality. They're just living in their own little delusional world, totally insular world, like they're the center of reality instead of God. Those people that are closed that way and that describe in the questions that they answer them, oh, I didn't care about much and I didn't. They don't experience that kind of reality. Some of them, they do experience something that's only as real as this realm or less real in some cases. And they don't experience the 360 uh, degrees sight that is so sharp you can see through object and, uh, and everything else and behind things and inside things and see for, you know, no end in distance and detail if you want, like 10 miles. That's all in my book. You check that out. Yes, your real life hasn't begun. It doesn't begin until the next. This is the time to prepare for where your real life begins in that other dimension that is the ultra-real permanent realm that never ends. Now, I'm here to give a message to those that have come to receive Jesus Christ. Now, I want to just explain this a bit more about the one true eternal God, for people from very different backgrounds. 
that the other reason God, so God is ultimately trustworthy because this love, which cannot be imagined that could be greater, this love that could not exist that could be a greater, as I mentioned, could only be entrusted with unlimited authority and life and power without using it in a corrupt way, thus indicative of being the very source. But the other reason is this, is that God must, to be God, rule in the three ultimate aspects of existence which are beyond creation, in creation, and an omnipresence filling all creation. And God must be in personage in those realms to rule in them. If you're not in conscious intelligence in and over those realms, how can you rule in and over them? You, if you were God, would have to split yourself up into three personages too. No. As God the Father, he is beyond time and space, seeing the end from the beginning. As God the Son, he is the full expression of the perfection of the being of God, the one and only full expression of the perfection of the being of God <clears throat> in the time and space realm. Communicating and, and experiencing the limitation of the creation and communicating with creation, which he has created to enjoy and have fellowship with. He's created it for his pleasure. And our ultimate pleasure is only found in this relationship with God. And of course, there's the Holy Spirit in omnipresence, attached to every particle of existence, every dimension of time. And there are many dimensions of time and dimensions of existence. I've mentioned them all the way up to the 10th and possibly more according to the analysis, mathematical analysis and particle physics. So I'm here to share with you the good news of the one true God, which is described in the Old Testament in the original Hebrew language as Yahweh Elohim. In English, it would be Lord God. Yahweh basically means the ultimate rea reality that is separate and above and beyond creation, the I am that I am. Elohim means the Almighty's, plural, referring to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you read Genesis 18, you'll discover that Abraham had three men standing before him that were very majestic, that he must have perceived were from another world, from that were angelic. And he, he, he just says, bows before them and says, I want, if I found grace in your sight, let me make this meal for you. And they all eat with him. And he addresses one of them that is eating with him as Yahweh, the most sacred name for God, or some people pronounce it Yehovah, the most sacred name for the one true eternal God, which is the very perfection of the being of God's love. It's amazing that God is so great that he can, con yes, he is, he is so great that he is able to communicate with his creation. Some say, Oh, God could never just become a human. He's too great to become a human. No, the opposite is true. He is so great that he can communicate with what he's created to fulfill the purpose for which he created us. He created us with our own free will, as I began to set out to say, and didn't finish uh, the explanation. Because with our own free will, we have the capacity to love. We're self-originating, self-responsible, not like the robot. And his purpose 
is that we would be brought into harmony with his free will, with his love. In loving union, a corporate marriage, a bride married to the creator. Everything in creation is created with male and female counterparts and is a forepicture or a foretype of this ultimate consummate purpose for which all exists. But when you create free will beings, there's the potential to make choices that are contrary and rebellion to the one true eternal God or to God's love. And of course, the result is that one takes on a hell-contagious, self-destructive state of being that is worse than nothingness because it would destroy what is good. But God's love is so great that he came and became that perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice and he will not tolerate corruption. He judges it. The love of God in its integrity and purity is the opposite of corruption. It is the destroyer of corruption that ensures that there can be goodness that can ever enlarge in fellowship with God. In creative, intimate fellowship with God, you as a human being and your uniqueness and creativity can go on forever and ever and ever enlarging pleasures of fulfillment in fellowship with God and with the myriads of his creations, for there are many varieties of creations, including angels, in the afterlife, in heaven. But many people end up in hell forever. Some, because they've totally rebelled. When you totally rebel against a love that loves you so much that he came and was willing and actually did humble himself more than you, a mere creature, and suffer more than you, a mere creature. That's amazing. And of course, I also should point out how many genuine Christians, when they have experienced being in heaven while they were dead, experience such a love in a dimension that cannot be described because it is so much greater than this dimension. But the love was so intense that they knew that if God had only created them, he would have humbled himself more than them suffered more than them so that they could choose to repent and be reconciled to God and receive his love and be loved by him throughout eternity. They knew that they experienced such an intensity of love from God that it was like they were the only ones God created, that He, they were the apple of his eye. He loved them that strongly. And yet they knew that God loved others the same. So this is a good message. It is, it is true what I'm saying. It is backed by extensive objective evidence as well as the experience, the subjective experience of the presence of God's life entering you when you call out to him and cry out and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So I want to share with those now that are about my messages. I seek to speak as the oracles of God because the word of God says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And that's what I will seek to do. That's in 1 Peter 4.11. And the word of God also says in Revelations 19.10, Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When one out of love for God worships God in great reverence and humility and love for God, there is a 
overflow of the invisible river of life of God's presence that flows in an overflow out of which can come utterances beyond ourselves that are coming from God. And that is what I will seek to do in this message. The word of God says in Matthew 25, Blessed is that servant whom when his Lord cometh shall find so doing. What is that? Ministering to the sheep their meat in due season. That is what I am seeking to do here. And what I will do in this message. And what I do to facilitate that is I cast lots to receive the possibility of any chapter from the Word of God. And then I meditate on those chapters for half an hour, that's all. And then sometimes I immediately preach hereafter. Today, I don't know at all. I even don't remember everything I received because I haven't had a chance but I'm going to go to all these passages I received this week and touch on them and just let God speak what he is wanting to say by his spirit to the churches in Canada and throughout the United States and around the world at this time of such crucial, impending judgment. You see all the signs of it. I need not talk about it here since I'm still doing YouTube videos. I might move over to Rumble soon because I think I've found a way I can still put up the videos and the other places through the Rumble links, but we'll find out. So I will share with you the passages I've received and touch on them and just see what God, I have no idea what I'm going to preach on. I'm trusting him. This way I don't, it allows God all the more to speak through me because I can't trust in my own intellect getting in the way and notes or what, whatever. Uh, else I might put it down. I do paste scriptures down. I also usually choose a song and I'm not, I didn't choose this song today because I thought I was going to speak the other day, but then my desk broke and it took a long time to fix it. The, the slider where the keyboards kept underneath broke those sliders and it was really a real big problem that took up the whole evening. I would have had a message yesterday as well. However, today, We'll begin with a song that I received, which hopefully I can get to pretty quickly here. And uh, we'll minimize things too. So we can play that song. I believe it's here. Yeah, it's the one I got by the casting of Lot because I have a about 144 worship songs. Most of them I really like. There's a few I think I'll take off there that I don't care for too much. And uh, so... This is the song I got by the casting of Lot out of those 144 songs. It might be fine just like this without me minimizing myself because sometimes when I minimize myself, it's not the best. You can probably still see the words here. So we'll just go with this. Oh. 
everything that happens in our lives is those that have received the one true God who is love in Jesus Christ. It says that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those that are called according to his purpose and glory. That doesn't mean that everything is going to be all so nice journey. No, Dying to the self-life can be very painful, especially if it's hard for us to let go of things. But we come to a place if we abide in him, if we are in love with him, and we spend time seeking him each day in prayer and in the word, seeking to obey God and to enter into a deep union and fellowship with God, we still know that abundance of life that can transcend whatever the trial is that we are experiencing in our lives. We all go through different things. He's the potter and we're the clay. And the path that each of us has is very unique and very different according to what he has foreknown us to be as a beautiful gem in his kingdom that it will be totally unique and fit into this beautiful mosaic that will form the temple that he will inhabit or be his corporate bride that he will inhabit for eternity and we will also find our habitation in him. So I want to share with you now what I received this week. And I am praying that God, by his spirit, will guide me to the right scriptures to share with you. On Monday of this week, today being Saturday already, I received Matthew 26 and Luke 10. 
I haven't really gone back there very much since then. So I just want to read a bit of what I said here on the microphone that went into print. Both chapters have the pouring out of costly substance, one on the head of Jesus and the other to rescue the wounded Samaritan. Both chapters have what seems to be a waste in the natural, but from a godly viewpoint, a sacrifice of love to God. And so we read these chapters here, and I'm just going to read a bit. And it says in Matthew 6, pardon me, not 6, 26. Um, now, when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went out unto the chief priest to betray him, as we know. So here is this lady that comes out of such love and appreciation for Christ and pours out something that was a very expensive breaks a very expensive alabaster box of ointment which could have been a year's wages if I remember right I think I heard someone preaching on that being the case and so you can see how in the natural mind, one would think that. But this is a picture, and indeed it has been fulfilled, and this message has gone forth with this in the recorded gospel of this woman, as Christ said it would. She was filled with such incredible thankfulness that she knew the assurance of forgiveness. I believe it was the woman, possibly, that <clears throat> they were going to stone her for committing adultery. And Christ writes on the ground and said, whoever is without sin, you cast the first stone. This woman was filled with great thankfulness, for she knew what she had been saved from. And as you know, Christ said, the harlots and the publicans go into the kingdom of God before you religious people because whomsoever has been forgiven much loves God much. And indeed, this woman revealed a lavish, sacrificial love for Christ. And God in these last days is calling his bride church to come forth, to have this first love relationship that they've lost. And I needn't go and tell you about the Church of Ephesus, which is written in the book of Revelations, chapter 2, 
that they lost their first love. They were very diligent to expose false apostles, false teachers, etc., but they had lost their first love. God is calling his people in this hour to be those that learn the ways of God because the ways of the Lord, Yahweh, will lead us out of the tendency to become stale and hardened into our heart so that we become like the church of Ephesus and lose out in this vital, abiding love relationship that allows an abundance of the emanation of the fruits of the Spirit. That doesn't mean you won't be going through trials. It does say in the Word of God, though you be in heaviness for a, for a season through manifold trials or temptations, nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. One of the things I'm finding difficult because I'm still very young in body is being single all my life, and I don't want to be single, and I'm praying that God will provide someone because I'm, it's not easy for me. It might be easier for some, but I'm. that's a trial in my life. And so when I find someone I really like, and I can't, and I can't, and it looks like maybe God's showing me they're going to become my wife, and yet everything seems contrary, that's a big trial. But anyhow, I'm going on here to share what God is wanting to say to his people right now. Now, we continue to read here in the other passage that I received that day. The first passage is Matthew that I just read. Then we read this in Luke 10, 38 to 42, towards the end. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away. Now, it seems in the natural that Martha should help her, doesn't it? Just like it seems in the natural that alabaster box should not have been wasted. But when it comes to loving God with all our being and having that love that God commands us to have, that we should love God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our being, with all our strength. We see this also illustrated here by the Spirit of God as a message to the church that he is calling us back to a first love relationship where we are not deceived into just being satisfied with our religious routines of serving God. Where we go and we receive the extra, we, we, we do those things that is beyond because there's that true love for God that wants to go beyond and step beyond our comfort zone. I remember that 
just as COVID was coming out, I had the presence of God come into my room, an angel actually, I didn't see it, but I felt it very real in my room, and I very clearly heard, although it wasn't audible, it was just like audible, the angel of the Lord tell me he would perfect, pr protect me from the, the COVID that came, and he did. He has protected me. And I won't go into the details of that right now for time. But he also spoke to me and he said very clearly out of a prodding nudge that was love and it wasn't a forceful thing. It wasn't a pushing. It was a drawing. He said, will you double your prayer time? And I was so desperate at that time. I said, yes, Lord, I will. And I did. And I was already praying a long time each day. And over for over well over a year, I did double the prayer time. Now it's down a little bit. and But now I'm trying to schedule in that last hour that I haven't been doing out of the hours that I do in prayer each day. Which I find the time just goes very fast because I'm learning the ways of God. I'm learning to enter into intimacy with God and to have fellowship with him. So the time goes really fast, especially in the last hour that I do in the morning out of two hours. And God is wanting to say to the body of Christ in this hour the same thing. And I mentioned the Samaritan. Well, that is in this book of Luke 10, the Samaritan the religious people passed by. He was there wounded by thieves dying in the road. And it's a Samaritan that the Jews didn't like that came by and rescued him and poured in the extra oil and the wine and bought, got him into an inn. He went out of his own comfort zone to do what God would be pleased with as a sacrifice unto God. So we go on, and that is what God was saying by his spirit to the churches on Monday. And then on Tuesday, I received a common theme in these two chapters, which is about honoring God the Father. And we see this taking place in Genesis 14 and in what Christ said in John 5, 37 to 43. And so this is the historical account of the battle that took place with the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah against a whole legion of other kings and then after that they took Lot captive and Abraham armed his 300 men and went after this large army and defeated it so that the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah wanted to come and thank Abraham for what he did and give him something for what he did and listen to what Abraham says here but it's interesting what happens even before he says this this is very interesting here. This is an historical account back in Genesis. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedolamer and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheva, which is the king's dale, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, which Salem means peace. Jerusalem, the word Salem in Jerusalem means peace, city of peace. Melchizedek, king of peace, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. 
This is way back in the time of Abraham. And we know what it says in the New Testament about Melchizedek, that he was without beginning of days, thus indicating that this is Jesus Christ in the flesh before Christ came, just as he appeared in the flesh in human form to Abraham and they ate together. Here again, we see God having communication with his creation through Melchizedek, king of Salam, which in the New Testament describes him as being without beginning of days. He comes to Abraham with bread and wine, which we know represents the body of Christ that was broken for us on the cross and the blood of Christ that was shed. And this is happening in the time of Abraham. And so we go on. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. The Most High God. That word God is most likely Elohim, the Almighty's. The Most High Almighty's. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is what it's referring to, actually. And I've explained that. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him thighs of all. And the king of Sodom and sets, so that's Melchizedek giving thighs to Abraham, not because he won the battle, not because he's wanting to reward him, but because he is moved by God to do this, indicating that Abraham is very significant and of great honor before God. And the reason Abraham is of great honor before God is because Abraham had the genuine fear of God in his heart. He had great reverence for God and great awe of God. And this is part of the secrets of walking in the ways of God, is to enter in to the genuine fear of God, which God will in these last days bring forth in the body of Christ as never before. In fact, scientists have discovered that one half of our brain is created to comprehend awe. We were created to find an intimate relationship with God through being in awe of whose presence we can come before through prayer now and come into if we've received Christ and ask for forgiveness and cleansing of our sins into the very presence of God with our prayers, into the Holy of Holies. In a sense, we almost, though we don't in literal sense, in a sense, our spirit ascends into the heavenlies and he is indeed, we do experience the indwelling of the presence of God as living invisible rivers of water flowing out of our innermost being. As Christ said, whoever believes with their life into me out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But what does God say of Israel that once was in a close relationship with God? and fell away. They have hewn for me out. They have hewn out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And the tendency of us to want to find fulfillment as I also experienced being single in the natural, and I desire that, and God can bless me with that. But the tendency to want to find fulfillment in the natural is a grasping state of being so that we grasp after what God has not revealed that he has given to us. 
But what he wants is to come to a place where we do not grasp in our being, but we trust him. A selfless trust out of ourselves onto God instead of trusting in ourselves and our own righteousness. And as we do, we experience an abiding presence of the Spirit and those tendencies, those cracks, those cisterns that can hold no water are filled with the gold of his presence and even those cracks are made into a greater thing that is more conformed unto the image of God because God is so creative to take the cracks in our lives that have damaged us from our past wrong choices and to transform them into even greater conformity to his image as we are filled with thankfulness to know the greatness of what he has forgiven us from. And in this passage here, what do we read? And the king of Sodom said unto Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods thyself. And what does Abraham say? And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up my hand unto Yahweh, the most high almighties, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe lashet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou should say, I have made Abraham rich. You see this love relationship that Abraham has with God, where he wants to honor God to the point that he will not take things from other people lest it doesn't honor God, that God is the source of his wealth, of his blessing, even in the material realm. So Abraham goes on and he said, I have made save only that which the young man have eaten and the portion of the man which went with me. Anner, Ishgal, and Mamre, let them take their portion. So I received that passage. And you see this great honor and respect shown to Abraham, but you see the great honor and respect that Abraham shows to God. You see, Abraham, there's a scripture there that says, Abraham was on his face before God, and he said, I'm but dust and ashes before you. Abraham had great humility before God, because out of the awe of God, or the genuine fear of God, there is birthed a great humility, so that we are not presumptuous to just speak lightly in the presence of God. In fact, we learn to have lips that are totally circumcised, so to speak, or like a horse held in with the, brit the bridle, that we speak out of great reverence and awe, so that what we speak is words that are profitable and not presumptuous that lead us in a direction that is corrupt before God or before anyone else. And Abraham knew this great humility before God, which comes out of the genuine fear of God. And he is calling his church back to honor Yahweh, the Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ. As out of great awe to honor him. As Abraham honored him in this passage here. And I want to go on and I want to read, whoops, I skipped something here. The other passage I received that day, which is about honoring the Father. And the Father himself, which has sent me, hath borne witness of me. 
Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape, and ye have not heard his word, and ye have not his word abiding in you. For whom he hath sent, him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And I've given examples that testify of him. Abraham, eating food with Yahweh, the Almighty's. Melchizedek, priest of the Most High God. And there are many other examples in the Old Testament. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. Okay, we read that. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. I receive not honor from men. But I know you that ye have not the love of God in you. The love that comes from God was not in them. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another come, shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. The name of the Father is carries the being of who God is. This ultimate quality of being that I've described in these two aspects of love represented in the negative and the positive symbol or the plus symbol in nature and in math. This love was not in them. Why? Because they had come to a point there over time where all it was was the outward shell of ritualism that had replaced the reality of what was behind initially maybe the rituals that were there at one time, but the reality at one time was behind it. But now it was just the ritual that was left. Why? Basically because they lost the genuine fear of God, which is a choice to reciprocate, a turning from the heart that genuinely reciprocates God First of all, in his purity of love to be severe on us because he will not tolerate corruption in us and that is not unthankful for the severity of the consequences of suffering in this world that we can so focus on and say, if there's a God, why does he allow all this? Well, it's not God that's the source of it. The source of it is our choices in rebellion against God that he must therefore hold in check by allowing us to reap our choices that are corrupt, and thus sow the corruption that we've reaped, that we've sow, thus reap the corruption that we've sown. God is calling us as his people in this hour to be those that return to the genuine fear of God, where we learn to honor one another in the body of Christ. But if we have begun to have different beliefs that we feel are really precious to us as believers and we form a denomination around it, then we can enshrine those beliefs so that they become, over time, a ritual and a shell, and in a sense, an eclipsing, an idolatrous eclipsing of our relationship with God because we refuse to have God's love in us. Why? 
because we begin to find our identity more in one another than in our relationship with God. Because when there's a group that comes together, a group provides security, a group provides wealth, it provides facilitation of being accepted by one another and we all want to be loved by one another. But that can become the preeminent focus. And when it becomes the preeminent focus, we conform to one another and lose our individuality so that we become like a bunch of brooks that all bricks that are all the same instead of a beautiful mosaic of individuality in gemstones that form a habitation for God to dwell in or his corporate bride. And he's calling us in this day and age to be those that receive one another as Christ received us as sinners and not just have our own little comfortable denominational zone and we don't feel comfortable because this brother doesn't see this or this eye to eye. We learn to wash one another's feet. Did you know that the early church, they washed one another's feet? They even have archaeological remains showing that the early church had little stone things they cut out where you could put your feet in it and have others wash your feet. I'm saying that when we really honor God and we have a love relationship with God, it births humility, and the humility makes us aware that our identity in God is fully realized because we recognize, first of all, our nothingness apart from God. We see out of the genuine fear of God how the reason we live is only because of God, and the reason we exist is only because of his love and his goodness. And so we reciprocate that in great thankfulness as these women that express such thankfulness in breaking the alabaster box before the feet of Christ. Or we see our fellow man and there's love in our heart that motivates us beyond our comfort zone to help them. And so Christ said the, that his meat was the, to do the will of his Father in heaven. What was his meat? It was going to that Samaritan woman that the Jews didn't love and showing love and mercy to her. And he showed great mercy to her for she had committed adultery with five men. And he told her, yes, you can receive eternal life if you will believe with your life into me. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. God is calling the body of Christ in this hour to come to a place where even literally it would be good. But if you don't do it literally, maybe polish your shoes. But there are many in, in the church that we might find difficult to love. We should go to those and, and try to see Christ in them and to wash their feet and tell them, I appreciate this in you and maybe they've offended you. They've done things that are very hurtful to you. And maybe God's challenged you to go to them and share your faults and say, you know, I have this struggle in my life. Will you pray for me? That will break the hardness in their heart. That will cause them to be won over. I never forgot the woman that told me that she was so burdened for her husband because he was falling away from God and not coming to church. And God kept challenging her to go up to him and wash his feet with a towel. And she would resist and resist it. Finally, she heeded the voice of God 
and washed his feet. And he said, no, no, don't do that. And when she washed his feet, he broke down in tears and they were reconciled. And that hardness was broken as she told him how she appreciated this and this in him and humbled herself before him. And so there is also in our relationship with God out of the genuine fear of God, the recognition that his holiness is good and it is somehow, it is uh, it brings us to a place of undoneness where we are driven to a place of such transparency and honesty where we see how far we fall short. And we cry out to God on our weakness and say, God, I don't have the strength to resist this temptation. I've got these thoughts hitting my mind of wanting a relationship with this and, and so on and so on, this woman or whatever. Yes, even our thoughts, God wants them to be under control by the Spirit of God. doesn't mean that he won't give us these things that are good to enjoy in his time. So I am just sharing with you, God is wanting his people to return to the genuine fear of God because it births genuine humility and honesty. And I see a lot of people that are talking about revival nowadays. But I can tell you that the genuine revival is coming. We'll have a lot of the genuine fear of God and awe of God in the revival because it is so lacking in the body of Christ. Are we willing to go all the way with God? I have in my book called God, Headship, and Body Invasion written, and it's over 250 pages in outline form, everything that should be in a local assembly to not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting a local assembly. Are we willing to do what it takes? It's worth it, isn't it? Look at the, the terrible crisis we're facing in the nation, in the nations with institutions that are corrupt, children that are being taught abominable things that will destroy their lives. There's absolute insanity taking place. Is this not the time for the body of Christ to wake up? And what is the first thing we should do? To conquer our nation with the love of God and bring it back to health and healing when it is on the verge of utter judgment and destruction? thing we need to do is first of all in your town in your city in your community as I mentioned in my book organize to have three days of fasting and prayer and if you can do an Esther fast without liquid or, or food for three days now some people have lived as long as 18 days without food and liquid so don't worry about it you won't die unless you're not in good health when I did it a few times, I couldn't believe how good I felt. I felt better than when I went on a water fast. But if we come together across this nation and we organize in every city and town that we can across this nation of Canada and the United States for three days of fasting and prayer on a long weekend, and then we choose to never go back to being the church the way we were. And what I'll just sum this up. What's the main core issues, many good things in that book I discuss. We need to learn to start our church services as a prayer meeting and be in awe of whose presence we're in a lot more than 
having a normal pattern where we got the group up there playing the songs and we do our singing. No, we need to be more conscious of Christ in our midst. We need to start out the church as his house of prayer, praying, people praying out one after another, crying out unto God. And then out of that, there can come singing and worship. And then there should be the facilitation of the gifts of the Spirit that people can sing out a word. Maybe they have a seed thought. And they feel the spirit rising in them to sing and they don't know what they're going to say, but it comes out as a beautiful song or it comes out as a word of exhortation or encouragement or a prophetic word or a word of knowledge. But this is what God wants in the body of Christ is for the leadership to facilitate each member to prophesy. How is it that we are not doing these things that was such a norm in the early church and what God wants to do in these last days is far greater than what, he, is what was just in the early church. It involves the restitution of all things. The restitution of all things. I could go on and share, but I'm just going to touch on the rest of what I have here for time. 1 Kings 11, 1-4. It's about King Solomon loving many wives in his old age that took him away from God. Man, I'm not even single and I feel or I should say, I'm single and I feel, I, I don't know, Solomon here, he has 700 wives, and 300 concubines, and oh my. And I haven't even had one wife in my life. It's not easy for me. And I'm praying God will supply that one. It is his choice for me to serve him with. We read here also of the ways of God to overcome what Solomon fell trapped to. His life was snared by beautiful women. So many people's lives have been snared that way because that's become their focus over loving God. Not that you can't love a woman. Obviously you can't. But out of God's love, that love is far more greater and far more pure. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. We were talking about the two aspects of the fear of God. The first aspect we talked about is the truth, which is the holiness of God or the purity of his love that will not tolerate what is contrary to love that always chooses the highest lasting good. That is truth. That is because the word truth means, in various dictionaries, reality. And the word reality means that which is indestructible, absolute, and unchangeable. And we know the only quality that can be that is this ultimate perfection of love that I have described. It is the opposite of corruption. So we are to love. Let not mercy and truth, but also to love it. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them upon thy neck, write them upon the tablet of thine heart. So shall thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in Yahweh with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy paths. See, this is it. Learning the ways of God. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear. This is the fear of God. Yahweh. And depart from evil. 
it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. And it goes on. I'm not going to go on and read more because time has gone on. But there's a clear message that God's giving to the body of Christ. On Thursday, it was about the resurrection miracle of God's provision. That's what's revealed in Isaiah 49. And that is about Israel as a nation in the last days being restored and then being amazed at what God does. And so we read, And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be a servant to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord and my God shall be my strength. And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldst be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob. And to restore the preserved of Israel, I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. Now that may be talking about Jesus Christ, the Messiah there. But the other part here does talk about the last days when Israel is restored as a nation. But we tend to many of us be condemned by Satan because we fall so short in our desires for the things of this world and so on and the natural fulfillments and so it says this but zion said the lord hath forsaken me and my lord hath forgotten me can a woman forget her suckling child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb yea they may forget yet will i not forget thee behold i have graven thee upon the palms of my hand thy walls are continually before me Thy children shall make haste, thy destroyers, and they that made thee waste shall go forth of thee. Lift up thine eyes round about, and behold, all these gather themselves together. And come to thee as I live, saith the Lord, thou shalt surely clothe thee with them, all as with an ornament, and bind them on thee as a bride doeth. For thy waste and thy desolate places in the land of thy destruction shall even now be too narrow, by reason of the inhabitants, and they that swallow thee up shall be far away. And of course, Genesis 18 is about the Lord talking to Abraham. We mentioned Genesis 18. And what does he say to Abraham, Yahweh, after eating with him? This is Jesus Christ in the flesh. And the Lord said to Abraham, unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for Yahweh? At the time appointed I will return unto thee, and according to the time of life Sarah shall have a son. And then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. <laughs> yes, in the last days we will laugh with great joy as we see Christ return and all of this terrible oppression that's taking place and increasing upon the earth, vanquished once for all and his everlasting kingdom set up upon the earth, which will then eventually result in what is described in Revelations 20, 21 and 22 and the last days, which I don't have time to go into. So that's what I received, and I think I'll leave it at that. God is calling his people 
to come into a deep love relationship with him out of the genuine fear of God and to honor God as never before with their lives. And he will then do the miraculous. But a lot of us, I see them, they, they emphasize the joy, but they don't want to have circumcised their heart. They don't want to humble themselves under the mighty hand of God out of the genuine fear of God as it describes in the New Testament. And that angel in the last days in Revelations 14, the first angel that appears on the scene as the events that are the last events upon the earth begin to unfold, is the angel that says, Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him that made heaven and earth. And that's the two things that God's wanting to bring forth as never before in the body of Christ, is the return to the fear of God that will result in pure worship. And may I say a lot more creativity in the songs because most of the modern songs don't have a lot of meaning in the words. There are some that do. There are some exceptions. But so much. <laughs> you go to so many church services, they almost sing the same songs over and over and they think they're having revival and yet I find their church services boring and they talk about how they're having revival. Well, I pray that they do have it. And that God can do the miraculous, the genuine, not the counterfeit miraculous, the genera, genuine miraculous in these days. But it's not going to come until we're willing to step out of our comfort zone and become his house of prayer and his house of holiness and repent of the gods of amusement that so many watch for hours instead of spending a life in prayer and doing other creative things that count for eternity. It says we're to redeem the time because the days are evil. And actually, I am moved now to have a song because of what I'm speaking about right now in closing. So this is going to be probably a bit longer than normal. But I feel a sense that I need to sing this worship song. So first of all, I'm going to just turn to it here. And then we'll get it down to its right size. I know exactly where it is. It's a really good song that I think a lot of churches should be singing so i'm going to minimize myself here at the end so we can just do that that way this time
this message and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again. Oops.